Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Right, podcast listeners, including James Moore, who loves my podcast. I've got four people, survivors of the Norfolk dinner, so all they're going to do is say hello. So I've got Mr. Paul Munt. Good morning, all. Have fun. And I've got Phelan. Good morning, listeners. Thanks for a good night. And I've got Kean, who you might not understand. Good, good morning, all. Uh, that'll do. Anyway, my market report follows shortly. Thank you. Market report for week commencing 23rd of January 2023. Well, this is the morning after the Norfolk dinner. And I've got to say, everybody came to that dinner with the right spirit. It was very kind of good mood, lots of friendship. It was, yeah, that was, I've got to say, we've been heavily involved with the organisation, Julian Scott and Ben in particular, Ben famously from our office. They put lots of work into it and the reward was a fantastic dinner. It was great. And Norwich showed itself off to be a decent place to be late at night as well. So some people got to bed a bit later than they used to. And bearing in mind the little jibe I had about old people wetting themselves last week some of those old people stayed out a little later than the young people and managed not to wet themselves so just for the record not like keep count but it was fun and we raised loads of money for charity and it kind of highlights that actually the grain trade or the merchanting trade is in a reasonably healthy happy place and the graduation from the younger people coming through which I had a little pop out on my speech which according to a regular podcast listener James Moore was too long morning James we didn't have an official speaker which was a good idea so everyone had more time to mix and mingle and talk to each other all the beer was sold everybody stayed in the hall till the end it did what it was supposed to do and I've got to congratulate both Julian Ben and Vicky from our office for organizing a fantastically successful dinner well done you guys right uh, back to the market right the market's down again this morning not there's many people out there trading it because they're all feeling a bit sore so the futures trading on May round about 226 puts the ex-farm value somewhere round about 218 It's clear the delivered value over futures is beginning to develop, as predicted. If someone waved wheat at you at 220x from May, I think probably people would buy it, and that's only £6 under. It's healthy in the context of futures price, ex-farm price coming closer together, but it's still a lower bid than we were bidding last week when there was no premium to futures and we were bidding £10 under the futures. In other words, you know, the farmer's not sliding as much as the futures market is, but it is still going down market. So I think it is very soon going to come to the end of that little drop because there is a fair bit of export going on, that's clear, and not every farmer's prepared to sell it at the moment. There'll be a limit to how many tonnes come forward. The main 
thrust of any bearishness comes in May when there's a big surplus of wheat in merchants' books to trade and farmers to clear their stuff out ready for the next crop. It's not a healthy-looking price thing at the moment. We have a firm belief that there'll be something that pushes the market up from the weather, which will come on to new crop values, and we still believe that the new crop and old crop futures will come to parity and eventually see November futures trading higher. That's the hope of leading the prices out of the wilderness, if you like. But in the immediate short term, it's not particularly healthy, and the price is not that good relative to where it's been in the last two or three months. It is great compared to the last two or three years, or history, because we're well over £200 a tonne. Let's not forget that. Feed barley has hit the bottom. I don't think it's going to go any lower. It's sort of trading around about 218 delivered, which is going to be something like 208x farm, roughly, depending on where the farm lies and where the destination is. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go a lot lower. I think there's a few boats traded going to clear up any immediate surplus. Maybe at the end of the year, like every other year, feed barley will be hanging around one or two people's necks and it'll be hard to get rid of. But right now, it's not going to go any lower, I don't think. Milling wheat still holding an incredibly high premium and I don't see that going down. The premium will stay very firm. There is clearly a long way to go until harvest and there isn't that much milling wheat around. So they're finding ways of using lower proteins now, which was predicted. So maybe there's some premiums creeping in for stuff that wasn't worth a premium previously. Just leaves malting barley very much in the doldrums. Nobody really wants to buy old crop malting barley. And there's not that many keen buyers of new crop malting barley. It's very much on the back foot. I wouldn't say it is the right thing to do to sell malting barley at the moment. I think we will see a weather scare. And I think the maltsters are a little overconfident. And bearing in mind there was a Scottish college's uh, male mate, Julian Bell, came out with an analysis that there is more consumption than production in Scotland for the coming year if we have average yields. That makes them an importer. And I think that market could develop. You know, you just need a hiccup in malting barley production and it very quickly flips from being nobody wants it to everybody wants it and the price goes crazy. All right, that's not the case at the moment. If everything goes swimmingly, the price will come down. We get all that, but it doesn't feel like the right moment to be selling it because we don't see what planting conditions for spring barley is going to be and we don't know what the weather's going to do to it in May. You know, the heat wave that one or two are predicting. So, yeah, I think all in all, I feel really rough. I'm not used to being out that late, but I had tremendous fun with some of my old mates at the start of this podcast we were having a cup of coffee four of us in a premier inn on duke street in norwich all looking a little bit ropey but generally smiling away and uh, you know memories are made of nights like last night so live your life everyone and do that as many times as you can cheers thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours Brown & Co. are excited to introduce the scale-up phase of the Future Farming Resilience Fund. This DEFRA-funded project enables Brown & Co. to provide free, on-farm tailored support to farmers across all of England until March 2025. We have worked with hundreds of farmers over the past two years, delivering the initial phases of this project, and have widened our support offer as a result of farmer feedback. We believe the choice we offer farmers is unique, with land, planning, environmental, commercial and agribusiness divisions all under one roof. We provide professional advice across a range of disciplines delivered from our in-house teams. Whether it is finding a commercial use for a disused barn, investigating planning potential, managing business finances, working collaboratively with neighbours, optimising environmental income streams, producing a greenhouse gas footprint, or discussing your business options going forward, Brown & Co can support you on this journey. If you would like to find out more or sign up to the scheme, please email defraffr at brown-co.com or call 01480 598 
and asked to speak to a member of the team. Okay, today I have got with me Brad Skin from Medcom. Hello, Brad. Hi, Andrew. Now, you're a long way from home. Why are you in Norfolk? Because <laughs> it's the Norwich dinner tonight. So I was, what I was working on yesterday's time, yeah, tonight. So I was come up to you boys yesterday, spent the afternoon with Josh in one of your locals, and that was particularly nice. And yeah, yeah I got the Norwich dinner tonight. Gunton and the Suffield would be. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, anyone who hasn't been to the county, if you ever want to go to a pub that's spectacular, the Gunton for a steak and just the experience, and yep. the Suffield about two miles down the road. Absolutely spot on, yeah. Two of the best pubs I think I've been to. And the, the steak at the Gunton was insane, and seeing the guy cook it as well. Like, I'm quite big into my cooking, so it was fascinating to watch him. He's cooking over and over the fire. Yeah. He's sweating on yeah, the steak. Yeah, absolutely. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know where the salt comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so what's your job? Your company does what? Okay, so I am um, classed as a cash broker or physical broker, and I did in the FOB and SIF markets. So when grain is exported out of you know, Great Yarmouth, one of your local ports, mm-hmm. Ipswich is down the road, or down the road to me, Shoreham, for example, yeah, there's sellers that can be shippers or merchants like yourself, mm-hmm. co-ops, and it goes on about whether it's wheat, barley, and that could be milling wheat, feed wheat, I deal with those, malting barley, feed barley, and it goes all around Europe, usually, with what I do, but yeah. So export is a vital aspect that the UK grain trade needs. I mean, we mm-hmm. produce a surplus, it has to go. Yeah. And your job, you know, you, you're talking about FOB. I mean, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but FOB is where someone free on board, their responsibility ends the minute it leaves the spout dropping yeah. off the boat. Yeah. And someone pays you money the minute the boat loads. That's the one we use doing grain because we don't really want to get involved with chartering vessels, insuring vessels, yeah. unloading vessels, and all of those other things that go on top. Yeah. And that's SIF, isn't it? That's SIF free out, yeah. So <coughs> SIF is is cargo insurance freight and then free out so free out yes which is the fob is the moment it leaves the spout it's the same sort of the other end so the free out is the unloading of it and then the moment it leaves the boat that's responsibility over so to speak for the seller i mean you can make more money doing that but you have to do more work for it and yeah of course yeah and for us we haven't got that level of staff a bigger or a shipping organization is going to do that because that's part of how they make yeah they have their own freight department and they will be you making decisions on when to book vessels fix Mm. freight etc so they can do it in advance or they can do it on the spot if it's your full-time job we use boats like you know you want to travel to norwich on a bus like how will we get there on this occasion we might as well use a bus Um, in other words if we can't sell to local consumers and we can't get movement for a lot of tons we're trying to move we have to look somewhere we shove it into store and tender on the futures or we go let's see what the fob market is or let's Mm -hmm. just so we'll phone you up we'll say right we've got four thousand tons a week we want to have hip switch or out of Yarmouth, or out of wherever, and you'll come up with a price, and if it works for us, that's it's just quite simple to trade, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. just a matter of people not paying enough money to us all Yeah, the time. so what <laughs> works recently in the last couple of weeks as well is where futures markets have come off, therefore physical markets have followed, but we're obviously hugely affected by currency spreads, so the mm. fact that sterling dipped below like 113 mm. made us look really attractive to the export market, so that brought a lot of interest on this, still is interest in our markets, into mainly Spain and the Dutch market have been the most active over the last couple of weeks, but yeah, there's sometimes external factors that then make the FOB market the better 
yeah. of the cells for you. It is all in the timing, as you say. Mm. I mean, physically, from a merchant's perspective, you have to clear tonnage in the months you're supposed to clear them. And if you, you might get a, a one month's leeway from the farmer, but largely, service is, is providing people with movement when they want movement. Mm. Can't always do it, but things like selling a boat makes life a bit easier sometimes. Yeah. You know, we'll do probably, I don't know, five cargoes a year, of, and that's not just wheat. There's the feed barley, a couple of those. We've got three of those gone this year, I think. We've got a feed wheat boat that's done. And we've participated in someone else's export, which is kind of taking away our feed wheat export. But we did a malting barley cargo. We've probably got another one to do if the conditions are right. Yep. So it's not much for us. We're not your biggest customer, but that doesn't matter to us. So what matters to us is that you're there when we need you. Absolutely. And that's I'm always quoting markets because there are usually always markets there and if the timing's right for you to use it and that but that then applies to all the other guys in the UK and then the international guys they may not be Mm. dealing with the export market day to day but when they need to it's it can be there for them yeah so your buyers are they predominantly shippers or are they you know so in between all the time or do you do much direct to consumer no so the trade has changed quite a lot there used to be quite an active fob market i think now this was before my time i think it was up to about 15 years ago it was very active paper market all types of participants yeah, well, i used to trade it it was cheaper than selling futures you didn't have your money tied up exactly so you'd sell yeah, three or four flow, yeah. cargoes for the autumn and then you could buy them back yep. and just you know cash them out or whatever and it was effective because it didn't tie your cash up yep. at those days i didn't have any cash anyway so yeah. i had to do it exactly well this is now the market's now changed i think we just had a really bad crop one year and it meant that activity just fell off the face of the earth so it now almost always trades from sort of goes directly to the buyer basically so there's very little middle market Mm -hmm. so yeah there are still shippers that will go short into spain or into ireland and then we'll come and cover Mm -hmm. at a later date but yeah most of what i do doesn't get washed out isn't in strings it is someone selling to a destination or a destination buyer buying the fob market if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so yeah there's not much of a paper market now so yes my buyers are shippers that are based in the dutch market Mm -hmm. they still you know are quite dominant there and then sell on to you know the feed compounders that are in that market there same with spain a lot of people that deal direct Mm -hmm. they buy direct for their feed compound and, and mills and stuff like that but largely again that ship is buying and then sell it into the internal yeah, market so in spain ireland's a little different yeah, you can say that again we got my mate phelan your mate as well yeah, coming yeah. over this afternoon for the norwich dinner because it makes it an international event because he's coming we have a long history of trading to comex mckinnon which is where yeah. phelan works because yeah. they were the people in my very first year of trading prepared to buy a boat office it was a very volatile oh, year in 2007 yeah. and lots of people said no you're too risky to trade with yeah and because of a historical relationship with ivan bishop and jimmy corman they backed us and that yeah. made such a difference and the loyalty to those boys is immense because yeah. you remember your mates when you're down and looking for a hand yeah most people run away and those guys didn't and that's the kind of guys that showed me support when i first started as well you know mm. not exclusive support but it was you know we're give brad a good go you know he can see the markets that we are what we're trying to buy and what we're trying to do so that spilled over from my futures days i was a futures broker i think Mm. for about five and a half years with monty and stets good for Uh, your liver that was it was yeah a bit like last night very good for my liver (laughs) but yeah i've then been a cash broker for seven and a half years i think it is now but yeah a lot of the people i initially started speaking to 
were customers that I spoke to on the future side of things as well. Yeah, it's, it's a relatively small world. It's not that big a trade anymore. But, mm. you know, within that, you have to maintain, you know, a broker traditionally was the, the guy everyone who tight-fisted gig would stand next to at the bar and go, that strong silence until the broker goes to your drink, mate. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that I'd like to think has changed, but it hasn't really, has it? So I was willing to pick up the tab last night, but I got very, very much looked after by the Dewing Grain. So thank you very much for that. So, yeah, it has changed quite a bit. I didn't say I didn't realize. Well, good. I mean, I've always taught the boys, all of the guys yeah. here, that you know, I used to watch a certain set of people from a certain company. I'll be generous. Well, they've all retired now. Yeah. But they used to just whip the brokers. They had to buy everything, and they yeah. gave them a hard time the whole time. Yeah. And it was pathetic, because if, if you give and take... Yes. You end up with much more than if you just take. Yeah. Because when there's a real market or a real opportunity, I maintain that if you stood your ground, it's the same as having the bloke in the bar who never buys around. You, yeah. you sort of go, oh, here we go. And it just gets a bit irritating, really. Yeah. I learned a lot of the, the hospitality side of it, obviously from Munty and Stets of, you know, the broker sorts everything out. They are our customers. Well, they would always but, pick up the tab, wouldn't but, they? Yeah, but they mentally logged it. They yeah. knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Sorry, I interrupted you. But I learned a lot from the Irish, funnily enough, is when you go over there, it's from the moment you land, it's like, right, we'll sort out the transport for you. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about, don't have to think about anything. It's everything has been sort of really looked after for you. Yeah. So I've got a lot from that as well, almost like you're in my manner, so I'll look after you. That's precisely it. Whenever I go to the Dublin dinner, yeah. Phelan picks up the tab. Yeah. I stay in a fabulous hotel. Yeah. You know, and he used to come over and I'm, I'm stuck him in the Premier. You're in on Duke Street. <laughs> I think we're all there, though. <laughs> no, you're, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, right. I'm there, yeah. It's got yeah. a lovely, lovely river view, though. We didn't rent the rooms by the hour this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it funny, that's what I say. I never need to stay in anywhere special because you're usually drinking to the ridiculous hours. Ah. I don't know what bed you're sleeping in anyway. Premier Inns are nice. They've got nice sheets and in the end, they probably smell a bit in there, but it's like... Good night guarantee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wake up. Uh, <laughs> oh, where am I? As long as there's a bed and a shower, I'd really don't mind yeah yeah anyway so tonight it's the first time for three years the Norfolk dinner has been held you know there's a whole yeah. lot of mates going to get together I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of people actually yeah I'm really fond of it it was one of the first dinners that the guys sent me to and mm-hmm. I met so many of the people I was speaking to on the phone that and the boss so I've real sort of affinity to events so yeah, yeah I'm a big fan of this you organise the boss now don't you you're the man who oh did I yeah I must have dropped that in accidentally then but no 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 <laughs> yeah no. I do yeah funny enough I met somebody that I said oh I never got an invite to that it isn't like that is it no no no, you no, want no. to go to a bourse, you go to a bourse. It's a completely bourse, open event. We're yeah. going to introduce this lad to you okay. later on. So, you know, and that's an important point. Yeah. If you think, oh, I've been invited, get to the May or the December bourse and meet people. Yeah. That's all you've got to do. Just go up, you know, even your shyest moment, give yourself 20 seconds of bravery, walk up and go, yeah. right. How do you do? I am such and such. At least you've done it. And normally the beer helps you with that as well, right? A bit of Dutch yeah, courage going and saying that. Some people suffer from extreme shyness. <laughs> this modern age of not talking to people in real life and looking at their phones. I suppose you're speaking time. to a guy from Essex that, yeah, isn't sort yeah, you're not, too, you're, too backwards and coming from. You, no, you're definitely. You are loud when you need to be loud, <laughs> which is useful, you know. Yeah. So, so some people are a little quieter. But that helps, doesn't it, as a yeah. broker? Yeah, and there needs to be someone, yeah. you know, go back to Munty, he used to say, yeah, people think I'm a clown, but the reality is... Better be talked about than not talked about. Well, is there anything worse? It was his famous phrase, but it's yeah. about putting yourself out there. Most yeah. people are uber cool, aren't they, all yeah. the time? Yeah, they don't. And they'll never lose face. Mm-hmm. If you can't ever lose face, then nobody ever dare do anything. So yeah. you need someone who's going to lark around a bit and stick their neck out. And if they get it wrong, everyone goes, oh, you're an idiot. And you go, yeah, but we're all here, aren't we? Yeah. And you're talking about it. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's the relevance of it. As well. So the job of a broker is actually, mm. you know, it's there's a subtlety in it, isn't there? Yes. Because there's nice people and not so nice people, and you've got to give each people an even keel yeah, of, of what course. you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And in the end, sometimes the not so nice people are the people who do the most business. Yeah. And I don't know who your most business is, so that's not a dig at anybody, just mm. so anyone knows. But, you know, it is a fine balancing act. Yeah. I think as a general rule, though, I will counter that. Actually, there aren't many people I don't like dealing with. In fact, I don't think there's anyone I don't like picking up the phone to. And that's oh, what's you. quite nice about my job as the traders I speak to. Yeah, some can be hard work and some like to test me, I think that's it. It's like, You're very uh, generous. Yeah, like push me to uh, what kind of reaction am I going to get out of Brad if I give him absolutely nothing. I do get pushed sometimes but as a general rule I had the opportunity to stay with the guys I was with when I was a futures broker but I really liked the people in the industry Mm. and I really liked being a broker and the putting of people together as it were which is why I decided to become a physical broker a very wise decision it fits your personality you definitely got that and you do make things happen if it's a bit quiet you kind of liven things up a bit yeah right some people might sneer at you but the reality is there has to be someone like you who shouts out makes it happen let's go and do this just you know puts it out there and in the end you know people as i say some people judge that type of behavior as irritating and stupid and but in reality every dinner every meeting you do need that it's vital what i'm saying is that from a broking perspective you are a round peg in a round hole you found that your slot yes and i didn't ever foresee myself being in the grain trade i wouldn't i didn't even know the grain trade quotation marks existed when i was at school or anything like that i kind of fell into it from i was in the back office then a coffee and cocoa broker and then the guys on the grain desk money and steps needed someone pretty urgently that knew how to operate a trading screen pulled me over and then i yeah, found an industry that i wanted to be in and then when we were all getting made redundant from Jeffrey's base, Pat then called Stets mm. and said, is there anyone that fancies becoming a cash broker? And I've sort of got to never die wondering. Because if I fell flat on my face with it, then at least I'd given it a go. Mm. And I'd say after seven and a half years, I probably haven't fallen flat on my face. And I think you're right. I think I found exactly what I want to be doing. And I love this market and I love the job that I do within it, yeah. You've mentioned Pat. Let's expand on that so everyone yeah. knows who that is. Pat Savage, he... Legend. Oh, he absolutely is. Oh, I think he's been a broker now. For, Medcom must be about 30 years old, I think. I feel really on the spot now. I could have asked him before I did this. But I think about 30 years Medcom has been going. Yeah, but, as a and before then, what was he doing? Because he was in the industry. Before. Yeah, he worked for Intercontinental Grain mm-hmm. um, with a guy called John Poulter, who's also yeah. a legend. I didn't know him that long before he sadly passed, but he was a great guy as well. So Pat went from a principal to a broker and I don't think there's a commodity in the world that he hasn't traded or broke. It's it's quite incredible and I've learned so much from him. That's another thing. Josh said that I might actually get put on the podcast and I thought I'd got away with it but sort of on the drive the three and a half hour drive I had up I was thinking about stuff that I would say and it's I wouldn't just say about Pat I think I've had great leaders in front of me all the time like the bosses I've had through every job I've had I think have been brilliant and really pushed me and nurtured me in the right way and I think Pat just continued doing that as well and has given me enough freedom to learn about this side of the market I have fallen flat on my face and I've had 
shocking days before. No one on this planet has no shocking I know, but they get less and less as you learn more and get your market and get what you're doing as well. So the more you do, the more you will do, the more people become customers. Yeah. And if it goes, you know, if you look after them, they'll come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, I've learned a hell of a lot from Pat. You know, I didn't have any connections in Spain before I started working. Mm. And the first two years, Spain was my biggest outlet, mainly on feed barley, I think it was, Mm. but a huge outlet for me. So he bought me loads of connections in that market as well. Taught me everything I know so far about FOB and SIF markets. Not just that, but the contracts involved as well. Because they're getting quite tricky now. A lot of people ask for a lot of different terms on contracts, which staying across those as well. So when someone yeah. bids you, it's like, right, th- these are the terms. It's bid on and stuff <coughs> like that. So, But yeah, I owe that man a lot. I owe money in sets a lot as well. I mean, that extra terms being slipped into contracts is becoming a bit too slippery mm. and every now and again if the price is right and someone's being pedantic at the other end saying I want this 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 and this yeah. you can go nah someone else will buy it but there are other buyers and yeah. if someone's going to be really crazy about loading times or come up with little technicalities then you don't go back someone's going to mess me around whichever aspect of the industry they're going to do it all that's the way they think and therefore yeah. don't trade with those people is, is my tech uh, sort of the democratic broker side of it is that the, the market <clears throat> and participants aren't getting much bigger so somewhere along the line if that buyer with the trickier term ends up being the only buyer there and you need need the outlet oh yeah sometimes that's different you just thing. have to bite different the thing. if you're in the luxury of like i don't have to sell this then no. yeah you can turn around and say no to it yeah yeah or they pay more money for the privilege correct yeah We've kind of, hopefully, to the uninitiated, you know, explaining what a physical broker is, I think you understand that. It's basically the same as loading a lorry, except the boat is a 4,000-ton lorry or a 20,000-ton lorry or a 25,000-ton lorry. And just, actually, this is a good one. This is a yeah. good question, because a lot of people talk about handies and Panamaxes. And, and yeah. I don't, no one, you know, this is purely for those who use this language and don't understand which is which. Yeah. And out there in the farming world, you can talk about handies now, because you're about to tell us what size is a handy. Okay, handy is, I've seen it described as anything between 25 and 40,000 tons. Right. And then 50,000 tons upwards as Panamaxes. Right. I so wouldn't have called a 40,000 tonner um, a handy, but I saw a market report the other day where someone quoted 40k as a handy. So I guess it is, because on the basis a coaster used to be threes, mm-hmm. then it used to be fours, mm-hmm. and now a coaster is anything up to a 7k. I suppose yeah. everything's just getting bigger. Which limits ports like... Kings Lynn and Lowestoft that's no longer working at the moment you know so 4,000 is a good size 7,000 is a bit of a you know logistically quite difficult for us but yeah the point is we can now be all technical and come out with handies and Panamax razors can't we yeah and the old farmers can use it I sure it'd be really cool you could call a Panamax a panny as well panny a panny handy and a (laughs) panny Yeah, so farming community, there's, that's the jargon from the FOB side of the world. You know, Brad, thank you for travelling up. That, obviously, you're our guest tonight, and I'm looking forward to yeah. the... Are you with us tonight? I'm not with you, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Which, you were a guest last night. No, I was, who, yeah. who are you with tonight? I'm with Kofco tonight. Lovely. Yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah. And they have oh, got to travel all, all the way up the A140. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're joking there between us. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure tonight's going to be fun, isn't it? I'm so, really looking forward to it. Thank you for coming in, and thank you for suffering going on the Doing Grain podcast. <laughs> I would have rather done it yesterday, I wasn't hung over, but I think I've done myself all right. No, thank you for having me. Hospitality was brilliant last night. I really enjoyed this. Pleasure. Cheers. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. 
Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.